Hey listeners, it's David Chen. Hope everyone's having a happy holiday this year. What you're about to hear is an episode of the Filmcast After Dark, where we discuss the new film American Fiction featuring Jordan Minor, the author of Video Game of the Year. If you want to hear more conversations, more movie reviews, more topics discussed, a great way to do that is by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. We post ad-free episodes as well as exclusive After Dark episodes. We also post episodes early. If you are a patron, you're getting our Aquaman 2 review earlier than everyone else. Um, so become a patron, help support the show, help to keep the podcast going. We really appreciate it. All right, here's the episode of the After Dark. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast After Dark, the after show for the Filmcast, where we talk about a variety of random topics that didn't make it into the main show. I'm David Chen, joined by Devendra Hardwar and Jeff Kanata. This episode brought to you courtesy of the fine folks at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Today, uh, we got a fun show. We, we'll do uh, one listener question from patreon.com slash filmpodcast, but then we're going to be diving into an in-depth review of American fiction. Joining us for that conversation, he is the author of Video Game of the Year, a year-by-year -year guide to the best, boldest, and most bizarre games from every year since 1977. He's also the senior apps and games analyst at PC Mag. Jordan Miner, welcome to the Filmcast. Hello. Uh, Hello. Thanks for having me on. It's so great to have you on. You know, for, for uh, <laughs> those, uh, here's a little peek behind the curtain as usual. Jordan was supposed to be a guest on our Gran Turismo episode. Uh-huh. But then Sony decided to delay that movie by three weeks, and it coincided with Jordan's honeymoon, I believe. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, hey, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. So we could, we could not, I could not delay the Gran Turismo review long yeah. enough to make that review work. So I'm so glad that we were able now to Now we can talk about the hit video game, American Fiction. So <laughs> it all works out. Indeed. Yeah, at least they're not delaying this movie. Oh wait. Oh no wait. Way. They actually delayed. So they actually delayed the rollout of this film. This movie is supposed to roll out to like a couple dozen markets by December twenty second, and they have, uh, I think, scaled it back where they've delayed the the rollout, which I think will probably be better for the film, honestly, but is worse for mm -hmm, people listening mm -hmm. to the After Dark who want to have seen the movie before listening to this podcast episode. So yeah, I was, I was anyway. really racking my brain trying to think of other movies that could have any connection to, and I think <laughs> we got a fun sort of. <laughs> left field one with this one yes it should be a fun time well before we get to our conversation about american fiction let's do a quick uh listener question you know every month i post on patreon.com slash film podcast we ask for your questions and uh people respond with dozens and dozens of questions that we do a okay job of getting to a fraction of and uh natalie zhang writes in uh, this question, uh, this is probably a good like annual question we can discuss. Do you make New Year's resolutions every year? And if so, can you share some of the resolutions you successfully finish versus not? What are the techniques you use to motivate yourself? Question mark. Hmm. Jordan, what are your thoughts on New Year's resolutions? Do you make New Year's resolutions? Have you made them in the past? Have you made any that have been successful? I think I more so try to finish things at the end of the year mm. than like start mm -hmm. the year really trying to do things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of, I guess the, the, the opposite, even though it ends up being sort of the same time period anyway. Right. But, Is there an example of something that you feel like you've, you've finished recently that you're, you're happy with? Uh, uh, my next book um, that is not announced oh. or public. Whoa. Um, but... <laughs> you just, you just published video game of the year. Mm. A year by year guide to the best, boldest, and most bizarre video games from every year since 1977. <laughs> yes. And you already have finished your next book? 
Yes, because publishing is so slow that mm-hmm. I had to be working on something else just Amazing. to turn out the rollout of all this. So, do you like to... force interviewers to say the full title uh, every time they say? Because that's no. that's what I assumed. You know, no, so, I just that's just how Dave rolls. <laughs> <as we know. laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, congrats on both the publication of this last book and then finishing the next book. That's amazing. Uh, Devin, your hardware. Any thoughts on on how uh, you go about New Year's resolutions? Uh, I don't know. We we sometimes talk about it on the show, so yeah. certainly there are things I have, but it's not like a guiding resolution. But maybe there are goals, like things I'd like to accomplish during the year. So that kind of counts as one. Um, I don't know. My my trek eventually back to the New York area is like something I'd like mm. to achieve in the next few years. That's on my mind right now. Got it. Got it. Uh, for those who don't know, Devendra lived in New York for a long time, moved to Georgia. Now he's in the process of going back. Uh, we, love hope to. You, we hope you make it, Devendra. Um, we'll be at some of these same events sometimes, I remember. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The Labo, Nintendo Labo. That was a weird event. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo, what is, is that the dog? That's no. the, um, that's they're the like cardboard. cardboard. Oh, that's the cardboard stuff. Okay. We all <laughs> forgot about it, but I spent yeah, 20 I hours have... uh, building Labo. So, yeah. Yeah. Did that ever? That didn't really become a thing, right? We're, they're not still talking about Labo anymore. People bought they? it. They, yeah, I have three boxes of them in yeah. my closet. But yeah, yeah, they stopped. They discontinued the. It was, it was a cool. cool it was a cool idea. Like yes. I love the idea of like having a physical manifestation of video game stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Jeff Kanata, any thoughts on how you handle New Year's resolutions? You know, I'm I'm funny. I uh, measure my year with regard to this type of thing, uh, not from uh, January 1st to December 31st, but from my birthday to my next birthday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to make goals for the year. Uh, my birthday is August 1st. So I tend to make goals for like, okay, th- this year of my life, uh, from, from my birthday to the next birthday, I'm going to try to do this or that. Uh, and rarely do it for calendar year. Um, although my mm. wife and I have had <laughs> a a sort of uh often unsuccessful uh intent to sit down and you know go through things at the end of the year we've done it with varied success as far as uh sticking with things but uh, i i you know i have a certain goals that i'll do from like okay this year of my life rather than this calendar year that's my any Weird. goals recently or upcoming that you feel comfortable well, sharing? Well, I hate saying this with Jordan here because I'm, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> n- you know, not even remotely in his league. But I, uh, I have, I challenged myself to write a novel this year. So I've been working since August. Nice. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And, uh, I'm hoping, hoping to get it. I, I suspect it won't be done in a year, but I'll, I'm uh, enjoying the process very, very much. That's wonderful, Jeff. Uh, genre? Are you, are you? Do you feel comfortable sharing, or I don't want to? Pry. It's a fantasy book, yeah. Yeah, fantasy yeah, yeah. Novel. That's what yeah. I figured. That's what yeah. I figured because you you enjoy that stuff a lot. So. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, I'm gonna say I don't believe in years resolutions. <laughs> I think, I think Dave doesn't even believe after, in years. After yeah, failing, a construct. I don't even yeah. believe in years. I don't believe in bodies of water as we've discussed in the past. <laughs> um, but uh, I I think that. <laughs> Uh, you're you're best off making small, measurable, achievable changes to your life gradually over time, rather than uh, this year I'm going to do blank. Well, isn't uh, that? Couldn't that be the same thing? It could be. It could be. But t- generally, I think New Year's resolutions are large and sweeping. I think that's kind of sure. Sure. It's not always. It's not always. But um, but like I'll give I'll give an example. Like I uh. I realized that I have been like about a year and a half ago, I bought this uh, Bowflex dumbbell set 
And I have been working out with that Bowflex dumbbell set for 18 months. And one, I just decided <laughs> one day, I just decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to do yeah. this. I'm going to look up a workout thing and every other day I'm going to do it. And that's, I've been doing that for 18 months. Uh, but it's it wasn't a very at the nice be- set. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't at the beginning of the year. You know, it was like, just well, I, uh, like, Hey, I'm going to slowly get into this, you know? And you're not, you're not like setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Like yeah. the, 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 the key of making it a small change is that like, it's like very, you keep the ambition low and that way you can't be disappointed. Exactly. <laughs> a true, true mantra in life. The, the, the Chen philosophy it's of life. It's called the Chen system. I, uh, with all due respect to your, yeah. to your you know, uh, position here, I, I, I think it might be a distinction without a difference mm-hmm. in Fair. that I think oftentimes people simply use the demarcation of the new yeah. year as an impetus to do exactly what you're saying. They're just, mm-hmm. they're just saying, oh, here's, here's a, a, a thing that has happened that that inspires me to make a a kind of change like you're talking. Yeah. And yeah. it allows me to measure it, you know, small and measurable. I think it allows me to measure it because now I can measure it year to year and go, hey, have I stuck with my small measurable change? I would argue that the phrase New Year's resolutions, like when I was growing up, the New Year's resolutions like, this year I'm gonna lose 20 pounds. And I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. And I'm going to, you know, like, it's like a sweeping large list of things. Uh, and so, you know, you you may find that to be a fallacious idea to begin with, in which case I agree with you. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm rejecting that, like, large list of sweeping things. And I'm, I'm more like, hey, small, measurable, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it? There's, um, there's a kind of a corporate acronym. Um, <laughs> a, a, there, there's like a corporate acronym for like goals that are like uh, it's like m- measurable achieve you know there's like <laughs> it's like rice or something like it's not star that's something else rice. anyway yeah, yeah there's an acronym for everything yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like EBITDA and OKRs and yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's like yeah uh, oh man smart that's it smart smart goals. smart goals is what it is specific measurable achievable relevant and time bound we have really which, been broken by corporate life I like know. we just have acronyms for everything now by broken like, yes. i mean you know um, you're living smart the opposite aren't you <laughs> like i'm i'm living my best self yes uh anyway smart that, goals. that is that smart is goals, the, which i think is actually good yeah. for regular life it's not just good it's for it's the best yeah. technique for making uh habits Right habits yeah. that you don't like break off, whereas a big sweeping change tends to be something yeah. that you may not stick with. So, yeah. right, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think this year I'll just say something that I've really tried to get into is learn how to be good at poker. Um, mm-hmm. I've always played and not had any idea what the hell I was doing, and I've had fun and I've spent hundreds of dollars and uh, and Sorry. lost it all, and then been like, well, that was <laughs> somewhat enjoyable. Uh, but this year I've really spent a lot of time dedicating myself to. Mm-hmm learning how to be good. And um, it's a journey I hope to continue next year. We'll see. Um, we'll see if my bankroll can support it. All right. I anyway. also want to learn how to take other people's money. Like that is a great, <laughs> that's a great goal. That's essentially what you're saying. Mm-hmm, but yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Indeed. I mean, it, 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 with full consent. To yes. Be clear. With full consent. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, thank you for your questions at patreon.com slash film podcast. Uh, let's get to our conversation about American fiction. How did you come to write this book? What really struck me was that too few books were about my people. Where are our stories? Where's our representation? Would you give us the pleasure of reading an excerpt? 
Yo, Sharonda, girl, you be pregnant again? If I is, Ray Ray is gonna be a real father this time around. Thank you. Monk, your books are good, but they're not popular. Editors, they want a black book. They have a black book. I'm black, and it's my book. You know what I mean. That was from the trailer for American Fiction. I'm going to read the plot summary from American Fiction from the internet. Monk is a frustrated novelist who's fed up with the establishment that profits from black entertainment that relies on tired and offensive tropes. To prove his point, he uses a pen name to write an outlandish black book of his own, a book that propels him to the heart of hypocrisy and the madness he claims to disdain, end quote. Jordan, you suggested uh, this movie as a, as a movie for you to come on and join us for the review for. Uh, you're also somebody who's recently gone through the publishing industry uh, <laughs> recently, gone through the dark heart of the publishing industry. Not only uh, that, I am black. That is true. <laughs> another fa- another relevant fact. Uh, so tell us, what was your reaction to seeing American fiction this week? Yeah, it's, it's hard to separate it because um, I do think it's really good, um, but it's also a movie that's so laser focused on such a really specific current life experience that I'm mm-hmm. having right now. Um, but I was surprised by the, the how it was not even like the publishing stuff is a, a big part of it, um, but I was surprised by how much it was about his life overall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that ended up being sort of what elevated it for me was that that broader focus. Mm-hmm. Did you find that the uh, observations that it had about the publishing industry were relevant to your experiences? Yeah, moments like he's going to events and there's like no one there, or just <laughs> <laughs> going to um, <laughs> looking for his own book in the bookstore. Um, you know, he's also like um, like uh, like judging other writers, um, and I, I'm part of a the, I'm part of this group called the New York Video Games Critics Circle, and I'm part of the group that uh, that gives out our journalism awards. So that involves having to read all these other pieces of games writing that's submitted to us. Um, so yeah, just, just stuff like that, and then even stuff that is not even again even with the family stuff. Some of that was also a bit close to home. Um, but yeah, you know, it's good to be seen. Let me tell mm-hmm. you, Jordan, uh, down here in Georgia, I have seen your book on the front table at Barnes & Noble in my okay. town. And that is like, that's cheap. You walk in the door and you see, and it's funny because I see your book, I see MCU from Joanna Robinson and our friends, and I see Matt Singer's book. So that is, hey, congrats, you're there. But also, I know all those folks. It's so weird. It's a weird experience. Yeah. You're also in one of those books. So. I am in, yeah. yeah, just a bit. Yeah. Devin, your heart or what do you think about American fiction? Oh, I, I love this movie. Uh, I've seen it several times already. I saw an early screening uh, back in November, and then I watched it with my wife, who absolutely loved it as well. Um, yeah, I think it is, um, you know, it's a funny film. It is insightful about what it's trying to say. And I was worried going in because um, I do feel like the trailer for this sets up like a weird respectability politics discussion of like, oh, maybe are you making fun of people who speak that way or speak like as we heard in the trailer and it is are you like looking down on people who aren't highly educated uh college elites or something and Mm -hmm. i had a worry going in but it was also i knew like core jefferson has written some of the best things uh i've seen lately including um i believe an emmy winning episode of watchmen but also he wrote for station 11 he wrote for the good place master of none like all things i have loved 
So I'm like, I'm fully on board with this dude. I also remember when he was writing at Gawker too. So also the the trajectory from like blogger to uh, to respectable writer, I think is something you know I want to I want to champion. No di- there's no difference between those things. You know, bloggers <laughs> yeah, are respectable yeah. writers yeah. as well. Okay, yeah, sure we the are. Book is sure. just a big listicle. Yeah, it's just a, yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, it is. Um, I like him as a, as an artist and as a creator. And I think this movie is profound because it is like. It's not like a broad sweeping generalization. It's dealing with somebody who has these preconceptions about what black fiction is, and he thinks he is trying to do more. And I think the movie wisely like is more about his journey rather than trying to put down like a whole uh, type of uh, of fiction or a whole type of writing or anything. So I think it is smarter than um, I think many people expect it to be. It's not just like the joke that you hear in the trailer. Um, but I also think like there's a lot of great family dynamics here too. Like this movie unexpectedly made me tear up a few times because things just happen. Like death just happens. Major life moments just happen. And it's really about this character, um, Jeffrey Wright's character, who is just kind of an angry jerk sometimes. You know, like we're on his side and he's likable enough, but he has anger issues. He has issues in terms of how he's coping with the world. So I also think this is like, what a star role for him. Like we've watched Jeffrey Wright forever. Um, also alum of our college, Dave. Um, so I've been rooting for him forever too. I think this is a great starring role for him. I love everybody in this. Tracy Ellis Ross is in this as well. Um, everybody, like Keith David shows up for just a bit but does his great Keith Davidness, And then Adam Brody, you know, just everybody, everybody. I, I think the entire cast works really well. It's a, it's a richer film than I, than I expected it would be. And I love it because of that. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on American fiction. This is one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, I love this movie as well. Um, it's the kind of movie that I have loved for long, a long time. These are the, it, it feels in the pantheon with stuff that Albert Brooks has made and Woody Allen used to make. And mm-hmm. this kind of uh, smart, funny, insightful, uh, heartfelt, uh, lovely movie. And I am down for Jeffrey Wright as a leading man. Like we have, I've never seen that. I don't know. It's possible that he has mm-hmm. something in his filmography that I'm not aware of where he's done this before, but he's always been this awesome character actor that's shown up and done cool character stuff. But him as a leading man just works. He's fantastic. Yep. He's he, he I, you feel for him, you root for him. He's grounded and and just sweet and funny. I really really loved his performance in this, and I agree with Devinder. The supporting cast is fantastic as well, and I love that this movie is about a guy who feels like he should be able to tell mm-hmm. these grounded, realistic stories and is forced to come up with this crazy gimmick in order to be marketable. And that's what the movie is. The movie is doing that exact thing. Mm-hmm. It is much more interested as, as uh, Jordan and Devendra already have pointed out. It's much more interested in telling this romantic comedy story, but in order to do that, it has to have this wild premise that is also interesting, don't get me wrong, but I love that it's working on this meta level of, hey, all the, you know, all the, the sort of larger than life, wh- how did he get himself into this one type of a situation um, is just a pretense to tell the story that I think the movie is much more interested in telling, which is the lovely little subtle 
relationships between people and the 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 fraternal relationships between the the brothers the the familial relationships the sense of loss the the um you know the romantic relationship all that stuff is so lovely it's so well articulated and subtle and nuanced and i adored it and in order to get there we have to have the stuff that the trailer is selling which is like wacky you know stolen <laughs> ripped from the headlines he's a hypocrite you know which again also worked for me i thought also was done deftly and like had insight into our culture and the 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 now of what's going on but i i just thought the movie w- was was brilliant in that regard that it was kind of doing what it's what it's subject matter is about as well um so yeah i i honestly think this will probably be in my top five uh, at the end of the year i just had a wonderful time and it feels like we don't get enough of these kinds of movies anymore um these just you know uh smart well-made mm-hmm. beautifully acted sort of grounded simple lovely movies you know everything is either 200 million dollars or you know the Netflix. Yeah. But, Between this and the holdovers, mm-hmm. I feel like it, yeah. this feels refreshing, like a return to these site, these sorts of movies. Totally again. agree. Yeah. All right. I'll share a couple brief thoughts and then we can talk about spoilers for the movie. Um, I, I will just say overall, I liked the movie, but I think I'm the coolest. Like I liked it the least out of the four of us is kind of my sense. Uh, I liked the movie, did not love it. Um, the stuff that Jeff, you were talking about just now, like, I don't feel like the movie had enough room to breathe with regards to those things. Personally, it's based off of a novel and I, I kind of felt that I felt like it's like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. It's so sprawling in all these characters that it's introducing. And I don't feel like all of them really get time to develop uh, as they should. But what I like about this movie is it addresses something that is rarely talked about depicted in our society which is how does the world of media, in this case publishing, expect and ask you to perform your race, right? Like in what ways uh, are you expected to perform your race for Mm -hmm. other people? And in what context and how does that change over time? Uh, And, you know, I've experienced this to some degree over my life. I wouldn't say a a huge amount, Uh, but... It is a thing that when people look at you and you are a public face in the media and you are a person of color, uh, that many people view you through the lens of uh, through, through the lens of race mm-hmm. and um, expect your work to therefore be about a you know uh, either structured in a certain way or have a certain tone or focused on a specific topic. And this movie examines. A, how ridiculous that is. B, how challenging that is. Um, C, it, it, it takes the people doing the expecting, mostly white people, and exaggerates their expectations and their features to like an extreme that is at times very humorous, like uh, that I, I really quite enjoyed and, and got a lot of uh, laughter out of. Uh, and so like that part of the movie that asks that question, you know, mm-hmm. that is in the trailer. Like that, that's the stuff I found the most interesting. And the other stuff I was like, I, I wanted a version of the film that knocked all that other stuff out of the park, but I just feel, I just feel like 
Uh, the just movie just wasn't long enough, in my opinion. To, I would have to really yeah, love to stay things. longer yep. in this world. Yep. It does feel like it, it's a little abrupt how it all kind of comes. Felt to like head. it could have been a like a three part TV show. True, you know, it felt like it could have been a three part miniseries um, instead of like a, a two hour long film. Uh, anyway, so th- those are some overall thoughts. Uh, let's dive into some spoilers for this movie. Uh, there is one thing I wanted to praise about the movie, which is. I, I did kind of like the ending, which is mm-hmm. a, a cop out in some ways, but also like literally here's here's the here's the journey I had with this movie. Okay, yep. in the movie, Jeffrey Wright uh, pretends to you know write in a certain cadence and tone that he thinks white people will enjoy, and he writes this book that he calls My Pathology, uh, and then eventually renames to just the word fuck. Uh-huh. Uh, as a provocation and uh, the, the whole movie is progressing and progressing. And I'm like, uh, you know, and I'm not, I'm not like loving the movie at this point. You know, I'm, I'm not like, I, it's, it's, it's cool. I like some ideas, but I'm not loving the movie. And I'm thinking to myself, literally in my head, I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm really not looking forward to the overwrought ending where Jeffrey Wright gets on stage somewhere and says, uh-huh. and the reason I did this is blah, blah, blah. And then the movie made fun of me for thinking that. <laughs> yes. And that is what I, pre- I was like, you knew, you know that like basically the structure of this movie, like the, these kinds of movies where someone does deception and then like they have to reveal it at the end. Like that, that is the structure of every single one of these movies. And this movie's like, not going to play that game. I can't, not going to do that. Like that is too cliche. So I'm going to find a way a- around it. And it's, it's a little bit of a cop out, but I, I did appreciate that. Like um, it's basically like, Hey, there is no good ending for this. So I'm just going to leave this here for you to consider. And that's going to have to be good enough. Uh, and I, 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 you know, I appreciated that it like called me out on like what I expected from the ending. Anyway, well, Jordan, while also yeah. doing like what Hollywood wants to. Yes. But, you know, yes. It, yeah, gives, it right. gives you multiple endings. Yeah. Well. But Jordan, what did you think of how this all wrapped up at the end? Yeah. With not having a clean resolution on that. Yeah. And also with um, the relationship um, with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, his girlfriend that he said some really out of pocket stuff to her and mm-hmm. in, in real life, um, it's not. It's not going to be as immediately. Like, you know, go back and then win her over because it's yeah. the end of the movie. Um, yeah. So I appreciate and, that. And as you, well, you yeah. liked. You liked how it handled that, though. Yeah, it kind of reminded me a bit of also like adaptation kind of, yeah. um, <laughs> and how it sure. just like we need to end this movie um, that from a story that is not necessarily like fit into these kind of like um, easy to understand formulas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the fake ending, by the way, where we get the girlfriend ending and the camera just pans out and out and out and uh, really like a very stereotypical drone shot right now. So that mm. this movie knows who's watching it, I think. And it's like if you're if you're like informed with like how stories are told or how movies are made now, too, I think there's like extra layers of comedy here. What yeah. a shot. I mean, I think it's, it speaks exactly to what I love most about it, which is that notion of it sort of secretly having a different movie mm-hmm. hidden inside this this movie you mm-hmm. know it's 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 using a uh, the, the spoonful of sugar to get the medicine go down type of type of dynamic where it's like hey we know what it, hollywood expects and the whole point of the movie is like what people expect versus what an artist would like to express and i think that is writ large at the end of the movie where you know jeffrey rush's character is or excuse me jeffrey, jeffrey Wright's Wright. character mm-hmm. is um, trying to uh, trying to maintain his artistic integrity and be like, you know, lives are sloppy. 
mm-hmm. having a pat ending, but also trying to fit into the fact that we're watching a Hollywood movie. And I, I think that's, that's, it permeates the entire movie is what, what is commercial and successful versus what an artist would actually like to be exploring are sometimes mutually exclusive. And the movie is wrestling with that dynamic and trying to have it both ways. And I loved that it actually has it both ways at the end. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to praise a a few other components of the film that I appreciated. Uh, One is I thought there was an interesting scene where Jeffrey Wright is writing the book and then like characters from the book appear in his space and start mm-hmm. interacting with it. That was kind of interesting. I was like, I haven't seen it quite done like that, right? We, you see it where they start writing and then like dream sequence, you imagine it in another, but it's like he's, they're in the physical space interacting with him as a character. It's yeah. very much a play. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah like yeah. you see that on stage frequently where, you know, a, yeah. a writer in a play will have the characters enter or even a, a, you know, a flashback will work like that where the, the, the flashbacker will stand, stay on stage while the, the, the flashback happens in front of them. It's very common in a play, but a re- rare in a film. Yeah. Keith David's character's name, by the way, is Willie the Wonker. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, um, Love I was it. reading, I haven't read Amazing. the book that this is based on, um, but um, I was reading about it, and it sounds like there's a lot of passages from like the book within a book in mm-hmm. the book. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming they were drawing from that for this scene. Just great names, great names. Adam Brody's character's name is Wiley Valdespino. <laughs> just like it's all over the place love it yeah he he was awesome in the movie i thought like <laughs> very he, funny he, he did a very good job playing like a kind of a, a director you might not necessarily get along with in real no, life producer but, the or, director is more i think informed but it's it's that level of like he's I not the he, director i thought he was the director in that movie. no he's okay. definitely the producer okay. he's the producer okay. he's right. like the producer <laughs> but the sort of thing of like oh i love this idea um fully surface level the whole condensation thing I'll never stop laughing at that. Mm. It's like, Mm. never again. Yeah. Never let this can condense in my presence. (laughs) Great producer. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That was nice. That was nice. Um, What else uh, from Issa Rae? Yeah. yeah, So I thought that was kind of interesting where. Mm -hmm. When he when he finally confronts her like that, that was one of the more interesting moments where. I, I kind of am curious what y'all thought of that scene because I love it. There's a yeah. moment where Jeffrey Wright confronts Issa Rae. Issa Rae has written this book that Jeffrey Wright finds offensive, that he finds traffics in um, tired tropes uh, about black people. And so uh, he finds himself on the same jury as Issa Rae's character. And Issa Rae starts denouncing the fake book. Fuck, I think it's called at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and Jeffrey Wright's like, isn't that kind of like your book? Because that's kind of what I modeled it off of, you know, to say that. And Issa Rae doesn't take that very well. And I'm, I'm kind of curious what we, we are meant to take from that, because what I took from it is that sometimes the people, here's one interpretation is sometimes the people doing the racial performance that is undesirable. Uh, don't realize that they're doing it or that their work can be co-opted in a way that uh, that they don't intend. In, in the, this case, Issa, Rae, Issa Rae's work, right? Mm-hmm. Th- that's kind of one interpretation, but I, I'm, I'm kind of str- struggling with like... Her, what I mean, her yeah. character, I think throughout the entire film, um, I think is a very smart person who is 
aware of what she's doing. And her response to him, like when he says, isn't it the same thing is, well, no, I did a ton of research. Like I did the research. I did the work. This Mm -hmm. is, these are situations that I have found. I remember having these conversations when we were talking about uh, precious, like a decade ago. And people are like, Oh, this movie is just all tropes. And like, I know some people where some of those situations would apply. These things do exist, even if it feels like you're trafficking in tropes. And I feel like just given what we've seen from her character at this point, who I think has made some really good criticisms of the other books that they're talking about, like Mm -hmm. she's not, she's not like a false academic or something. She's not like a poser. She is somebody who is thinking about fiction and thinking about storytelling and seems very smart about it. I take her at her word for what she's saying there and what she says about him. Well, he says like, um, he, he expects people to be better. And her final line is, you know, that it, it kind of reveals like you, you think you're not, they're not enough for you. Like what they're doing is not enough. Like it reveals his own, his Mm -hmm. own, like his own hypocrisy and his own, like um, the way I think he puts down other people and parts of the black community as well. So I found that profound. Let me, let me take, yeah, Yeah. let me restate what I said. Let let me redo that. Then I think that the the great point of Indra, I think that basically it's, it's that uh, potentially then the stuff that you view as uh, derivative or uh, hack work, uh, can actually have work that's put into it, and often the line the line dividing these things is a fine one, perhaps yeah. right. Like, that's, and just so that you yeah. don't find yeah. it acceptable, doesn't mean it's not like genuine. Right. Is the thing. Yeah. yeah she. Yeah, like, yeah. I think that she, we are supposed to take from that that he's he has her pegged wrong. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I that there right, is yeah. a way to do that kind of work with integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan, any thoughts on on Issa Rae's character in this movie? Yeah, I think I took away that they're not. I think that they both have points. I think mm-hmm. that the that mm-hmm. the way that he's critical of what she's doing is not like invalid. Uh, I mean, you know, back to Precious, like again, like yeah. when I was reading about the book this was based on, it was kind of like a huge subtweet of like, um, <laughs> yeah, based uh, on the novel Push the by book Sapphire. length subtweet mm-hmm. of Precious. Um, <laughs> so I don't think that you know when he's, I don't think it really lets either of them all completely off the hook. Um, is is how I took it. Um, Interesting. But yeah. I think it's trying to. I think that the movie. Like I think Dimitri, you were saying earlier that the movie is smart about not letting his attitude like totally like it risks becoming just like anti like lower class black people. And it was it was yeah. smart enough to, to I don't get want a Bill Cosby lecture, you know, basically. Totally. Yeah. And it was smart enough to to get ahead of that stuff. But I think that that doesn't preclude mm-hmm. um the stuff that she's doing from being like totally like unassailable. Yeah. Like yeah. There's, yeah. she there's, she knows yeah. she's marketing like a certain type of thing to especially a white audience. And she's accepted because like her research has proven that. But also I want to say about uh, Jeffrey Wright, like Thelonious's family, like when we go to the whole introduction, he meets, um, he meets his sister. They go to his house, beautiful Victorian house. They go inside. He has a maid like that's been with the family forever. And I think that that class that is a class commentary right there. Like this mm-hmm. is a guy living in the lap of luxury. His entire family are doctors, you know, and it's a different level than the people Easter race characters writing about. I think right, that's very then, clear. Yeah. And then the movie is also smart enough to give that maid yeah. a ton of interior. Yes. Like, her interior life her. is so rich and she, she's not just a stereotype. Like, yeah. like right. the movie, like his yeah. life being so rich and nuanced in contrast to mm-hmm. these like flattened stereotypes. I love the first scene where the security guard sees the maid and they like reconnect and she's just, he just like gives her a look like it is so well acted. It's mm-hmm. so like he Beautiful. looks at her and is like, I'm going to marry that woman. And he does it without saying any words. So when they announce it later on, I'm like, yes, of course, because he loved her. We also love haven't yeah. mentioned Sterling K. Brown yet, who's so good. fantastic in this movie as well. And sort of his 
all the stuff he's dealing with is so interesting. And, and uh, I thought their dynamic and that wonderful scene they have on the porch where they have that heart to heart. I just, I, yeah. I love this movie. I just, that was a, yeah, that was a great scene mm-hmm. where I, I, I think Jeff, you're describing the scene where Jeffrey Wright kind of has started to realize like how he might've gone astray during the course of the film. Is that right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's dancing and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, Jeffrey Wright has had that uh, falling out with his girlfriend and is kind of sitting alone and she was supposed to be there and she's not. And he comes and kind of tells him like, you know, Hey, don't screw, don't screw this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I thought the dynamic of the family, and it's so, it's so tragic when uh, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross is, you know, dies because she's such a wonderful part of the movie for such a brief period of time yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you really feel the loss of her and that lightness of her, like how she's always like cracking jokes and being uh, this, this buoyant, you know, in contrast to her two brothers, this sort of buoyant, um, uh, funny, fun personality. Um, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I love the family dynamic. I love, you know, dealing all the stuff, dealing with the mother's um, dementia and stuff like that. I found, I found powerful and yeah, I, I mean, I just, I wanted to hang out with these people. I want to be it's around so good. them. They're fun. The, yeah. When, when Tracy Ellis Ross's character uh, died, I was shocked that a movie yeah. would do that that early to a character yeah. that's so like, yeah, like yeah. I was, yeah. and that's sort of the thing this movie is kind of doing too is like life comes at you fast you know you may be entrenched in your habits and the way you view the world and the way your family dynamic works and then all of a sudden somebody has a heart attack or something and everything changes and you have to take certain responsibilities and this movie is ultimately about all that <laughs> stuff too that yeah. scene where they're disposing of the ashes and mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. shut up Ted whatever his name is oh, yeah. so, so funny <laughs> One of my favorite scenes from the movie is when uh, all the stuff with the book publisher on the phone. Yeah, so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have been on both sides of those (laughs) kinds of calls. No, I haven't. I haven't been a participant. I'm just. I haven't been like a speaking role, but I've been like on. Dave just listens into other people's (laughs) phone calls. No, but you know when I when I work at a company, like you're on like with like thirty other people, and like you hear, you know. And so sometimes there'll be like a dozen marketing people on the phone with the artist and the artist will say something, I'm just going to say ridiculous and possibly dumb. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, um, uh, everyone needs, no one can say no, you know, no one yeah. can say no. Everyone needs to try to like accommodate the person in some way. And I love that Jeffrey Wright just keeps pushing the provocations higher and higher to the point where saying yes is self-evidently ridiculous, right? And like he, <laughs> yeah. keeps being succe- he keeps being successful at it. But I thought the, the casting of those two characters that were on the other side of the phone of the publisher were, was amazing. And it captures that dynamic so well. Um, Jordan, you know, as somebody who has been through publishing recently, have you, have you, you have been, uh, you know, did, did people say, hey, maybe let's title it video game of the years and you were like no i insist on my title like <laughs> h- how has your interactions with uh, publishers been and editors been uh well because it's my first book i really tried to be not like trying to push the envelope or trying to like <laughs> i just want to get this thing sold so i won't have um you know the the cynicism that that monk does um <laughs> so i'm just so, like whatever you want it's all good <laughs> and uh, you know, something that I, I was thinking about too just with um his 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 um his whole dilemma of like oh should I be more commercial versus like, should I just stick to this purely academic stuff? Um, something that um, 
just in this whole process that I feel like I've had to let go of, but that's been useful is letting go of the idea that books are like an inherently more intellectual medium mm-hmm. than anything else. There's mm-hmm. lots of great books. There's lots of dumb books. There's lots of like mid books. Like it's all, <laughs> it's all, it's all worthwhile. Um, and so it, it wasn't lost on me that, you know, I've been, I've been pitching books for, for years and years. And it wasn't lost on me that the thing that I ultimately had success with um, is something that, on the surface is the like the most commercial and the most kind of easy to understand as far as like what like the, just as a video game history book. Um, but kind of getting in the door with that and then being able to fill it with the kind of more thoughtful yeah. ideas that I want to put you in. You stuck in some great essays in that book, Jordan. So yeah, yeah I, I totally see your plan there. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know, you gotta play ball a little bit, but it doesn't mean mm-hmm. you, you know, yeah, it doesn't mean fully giving up on like what you believe in. Was there something that made you kind kind of come to this realization? Um that uh, books are not inherently better or like, was there, was there some book you read that was like, this is so mid, I don't know why people (laughs) think, you know, movies aren't better than this, you know, like. Um, It wasn't necessarily a book. It was more so just my developing relationship with my agent. um, Mm -hmm. I'll talk more about that because he has since retired from being an agent. Okay. Um, So you can say whatever you want about him. Yeah. yeah, uh, He's great. I love him. He was like my best friend. So you drove him out of the industry? (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, just, you know, just learning more about how it, you know, just it, as an industry from him and just learning, like, it's not a meritocracy at all. And it's just so much luck and timing and, you know, chasing trends and stuff. Um, so mm. on one hand, becoming more cynical, but then another hand, feeling more empowered to like, not hold my, again, like I'm proud of the work, but like to not mm-hmm. hold myself up to this impossible standard, like, oh, I don't deserve to write a book. Like, no, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's that great yeah. Jack Daniels conversation with John Ortiz's character, mm-hmm. who I think like just really puts that all there too. Like, not everything is is the best label Jack Daniels, right? Like sometimes yeah. there's there's stuff in between, and people like the stuff in between and don't feel bad about making it. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll say there's a lot of video games that are better than books. Oh yes, <laughs> yes there are. Yeah, indeed. Um, all right. Well, any other thoughts on American Fiction? I think it's a movie that I think is definitely worth checking out and. Uh, that we all like to varying degrees. Everyone else a, a bit more than me, but I, I still found it had to have very provocative ideas and very interesting scenes. Pretty well done overall. So, I I loved that Sterling K. Brown is compared to Tyler Perry at one point. Someone like as a joke, <laughs> but also just in the movie having on its mind the idea of like the value or not of like low quality black art. Because um, you know I've I've watched a lot of Tyler Perry movies. I've taken I took a class at film school about Tyler Perry, so I've spent a long time thinking a lot about that man and his body of work. Um, Come visit his set, his giant set down in Atlanta, Jordan. Right, where they just film everything now. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I was, I'm not sure if this is fully supported or not, but I, I like the idea that potentially that that fuck, while like cynical and and pandering, isn't like awful. That it's like mm-hmm. good enough to kind of like ultimately mm-hmm. accidentally win this competition. <laughs> And also, like, just him as as a really good, competent, professional writer, like, kind of can't help but make yeah. it at least somewhat good. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was thinking about this in regards to the whole scene with um, with Keith, da- Keith David and, and the son, the kind of the gangster kind of shootout bit, where it's about the son killing the father and kind of feeling a certain type of way about it. In the movie, they talk a lot about Monk being like his father and kind of taking these bad qualities from him and him kind of coming to me to realize it. So I read that scene as him even writing this really, again, not just again, just trying to be cynical and pandering. He couldn't help but put that part of himself in it and have it at least kind of be up to that certain level. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah, indeed. All right. Uh, well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of our conversation about American fiction. It's in limited release right now, slowly rolling out to more cities through January. I saw in Seattle, it's not coming out to like January 5th, uh, but hopefully you'll be able to see it in your city soon. Before we go, Jordan, you want to give us a quick pitch for your uh, for your book? Sure. So my book is called Video Game of the Year. It is a year-by-year guide to the best, boldest, and most bizarre game since 1977. It is a video game history book. The whole structure of the book is that each chapter is an essay on one game that I've picked to be the most significant game of that year, whether it's because it's the best game or the most important game or a game that reflects a trend that I wanted to talk about. So you have like Pong in 1977, Pac-Man in 1980, uh, Pokemon Go in 2016. Um, and with I, I, I just have, I just have two questions for you, um, <laughs> Jordan. Number one, favorite year slash video game. Got to ask. Uh, my so my personal favorite game is probably StarCraft. Um, yeah, which mm. came out in 1998. Um, but this really demonstrates the dilemma of, of picking this of doing this formula. Uh, the only one game per year really forces me to kind of yeah kill yep. my darlings. And 98 has StarCraft and Metal Gear Solid and Ocarina of Time and like mm. Pokemon Red and Blue. So I put the best years are in the 90s, to be honest. So, (laughs) you know, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the 98 chapter is on Metal Gear Solid, but then the Mm -hmm. runner up uh, essay that I wrote is about StarCraft. Um, Mm. In addition to all, you know, the chapters I've written, there's also 75 guest essays from other people from the games industry, including Devendra. I'm very grateful for for contributing to the book. Got a shout out to Chrono Trigger. Like, I had to. Yeah. Um, And lots of really fantastic artwork from Ren McDonald. And and who did you get my the other question was who did you get to write the chapter about Flappy Bird because that's the one that I would have really you know been interested in uh, checking out. Uh, I'm just joking. No one likes yeah, King Flappy. There's, there's no Flappy Bird chapter. <laughs> there's no Flappy Bird chapter. Anyway. Oh man. Uh, check out uh, Jordan's book. It's called Video Game of the Year: A Year by Year Guide to the Best, Boldest, and Most Bizarre Games from Every Year Since 1977. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today on the Filmcast. We really thank you. It. Had a great time. Yeah, I've been listening to y'all for great. like more than a decade. So. <laughs> wow, it's, it's cool. Incredible, to incredible. Get on. Uh, all right, well, check out Jordan's book, and uh, that's going to bring us into this week's episode of the Filmcast After Dark. Next week, going to be Aquaman, our main review. Uh, DC's last stand. <laughs> At least Jason, Jason Momo was like, I'm, I don't know about this Aquaman future. <laughs> until so, yeah. the next stand. At least <laughs> until James Gunn's Superman movie, which I believe is 2025. So, uh, yeah. Let's take a break. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a, a, a nice break until then. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for your support. We'll see you later. Goodbye. <laughs>